So I'd like to um, read Psalm 139. <clears throat> so I'm going to read from the New International Version. Um, o Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am, sorry, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God! Away from me, you bloodthirsty men! They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Quite an an absolutely amazing psalm. I almost feel like it's a bit of a cheat, really, when I'm standing up here to preach on Psalm 139. I feel it's a bit of a cheat, because really, I could just read it and sit down. You know, it's like, job done. It's just got so many amazing uh, promises and thoughts in about God. It's absolutely amazing. But I'll share a few thoughts anyway. Um, this, of course, is a psalm of David, and I suppose it's written from David's experience, from his thoughts of God, and from his experience, and some of the things that happened to him. And what a life uh, David lived. I mean, you know, from killing the giant Goliath, going into battle, uh, dodging spears that were thrown at him by a grumpy king, um, sort of... Uh, just like one of these lives that you just think, wow, perhaps a, a modern day sort of, I won't say James Bond, because that's a bit dated, more like a, a Jason Bourne. It was like, it was like right out there, one of these like adventurous kind of lives, you know. And all, a lot of this perhaps comes from his life and his experience and, and how God got him through things. And um, for us, this is now, this is in God's word, so for me, 
David's experience becomes promises for me and assurances. And all right, I'm not going to have a, a life like his where I'm killing giants and in battles, hopefully. But we all have our giants, we all have our things that come at us. And so I think there's a lot in this psalm that we can take hold of and really uh, grab hold of as God's promises to us. I'm not going to read it, I'm not going to think about it all in order. I'm going to start at verse 13, 13 to 16, um, where he says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How wonderful and how topical that we got the news about Beth's baby, baby Lily, arriving yesterday. That kind of fits in. And when I just think about, I mean, I'm sure we all do it when you think about a baby. A baby, how does that happen? It's amazing. The, the, the work and when that little child comes out and it's all perfectly formed, uh, all the cardiovascular system, the neurological system, the, the thousands of chemicals that are in there all working together, it just blows my mind when I think about God's creation and a new baby arriving. Um, I was also a little bit blown away. Um, I was just thinking about, about my arm. You know, I mean, I've had this, I've had it a while. I've looked at it for a while. You know, but just recently, I was thinking, how incredible is that? I mean, arms are great; they're useful, aren't they? And even if I could just do that and grab things, that'd be pretty useful. But then I thought to myself, I can do that as well. I can twist my wrist. How, how useful is that? I mean, you know, screw, if if we couldn't do that, screwing a light bulb, you'd have to walk round in circles like that, wouldn't you, to to screw a light bulb in? I just thought, how amazing is that? And I was looking at the bones in the human arm. And you know, in your arm, you've got two bones running down there. One of them's fixed at this el- at the elbow, and it's loose at the wrist. The other one is fixed at the wrist, and it's loose at the elbow. And it's that clever arrangement. And the ones that are loose at the elbow, there's a band of cartilage specially there to keep it in place, but it's not fixed to the bone. I don't want to get into a big, big anatomy lesson, but I just thought... I might use this word too often, but I just thought, wow, how clever is that? For me to be able to rotate my wrist like that, it's specially designed. And it's just incredible. God's creation. And we're God's masterpieces. We're his absolute masterpieces. Little baby Lily came out yesterday, and she's a masterpiece of God's creation. And he loves her, and he loves her so much. And he's got a plan for us. It says here, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Incredible. But there's more than that. It's not just a case that God made, made us and he loves us and we're his like masterpieces. It could be like, right, job done, off you go, enjoy yourself, have a great life or whatever. But God's not like that. Starting at, at the beginning of the verse, it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts. And this is incredible. To think that God is interested in every little part of our lives. Almighty God is interested in, in me. And he knows all about me. He knows what hour I managed to roll out of bed and get downstairs. And how many eggs I managed to scramble for my breakfast and all that lot. And when I get into work. He knows everything about me. He knows when I get up, when I sit down. And he's even aware of my thoughts. How many people are in the world? Is it about six billion at last count? It's probably more than that now. But God's aware of our thoughts. The stuff that's gone inside of us. Amazing. God is all-knowing, knows all about us. But it doesn't just stop there. Those, those first three verses are incredible. 
But then when we get to verse 4, it kind of, I'd say it like cranks it up a level. It kind of knocks it up a bit. It says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. So before I even speak, God knows what I'm going to say. So that's just not, that's not just God knowing about all what's going on with me. He knows what's going to happen. And of course, this speaks to us about our eternal God. God who knows the future, the past and the present. Um, I was driving to work just the other day, not last week, the week before. I had to go the scenic route because there's some crazy roadworks going on near uh, Paslington Way. So I went over Rising Bridge. Didn't get a Mackey's. Went straight over Rising Bridge. And I'm driving up the, 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 the bypass there to go over the top. And I was looking at the, the other carriageway, you know, coming towards Rising Bridge. I thought, blooming hell, that's a bit quiet. No cars. I'm driving along, you know, listening to my music or doing whatever. No cars. And I'm getting further and further on. And then finally, I saw like a policeman in the middle of the road. And there was a bloke there. And they were like walking along, like looking down at the road, looking for stuff. I thought, how strange is that? Anyway, kept on driving, got further along. And there's a car like parked, bl- blocking the, the whole carriageway with lights flashing. And then, of course, behind that, the cars start piling up. You know, there's a massive, massive queue and it's getting further and further back. So I'm coming from this way and I'm thinking, well, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. And my first thought was like, warn them, tell them, don't join. But of course, it's way too late. There's already a massive, massive queue of cars that are waiting. And they don't know what's going on up here. But I've been up here. I'm coming down towards them and I know what the deal is someone's either dropped their hearing aid or something or you know they're looking for something and they block the the, um, the carriageway so part of me wanted to say to warn them like don't get on this road you'll be in for a big wait but I knew it was too late for that and then another thought came in my mind well maybe I could like reassure them I mean obviously I wasn't going to do it I am going to stop my car and jump out and tell them but you know if I could say to them look don't worry the carriageway hasn't collapsed into a big sinkhole there's not been a 17-car pile-up. It's just some bloke who's dropped something or something. And I think you'll be on your way again pretty soon. So that was me on my way to work just last week. And I thought, yeah, it's, a, it's perhaps it's a bit like that. You know, God knows what's happening. And you know, we're back here stuck in this traffic jam. But he knows what's going on up there. And that it's not a big pile-up or whatever. And that's the God of eternity. That was my thinking, and I thought, well, yeah, that's it. yeah, God can go forward, backwards. But it's kind of, it's very much a kind of a human understanding, if you will, a very much a linear thing, like a forward and backwards. And I remembered something that I'd heard and some teaching I had. It's, it's kind of more than that with God. It's not just about a linear sort of forwards and backwards in time. God is the God of eternity. And he's kind of outside of time. It's not just that he can go up and down and look up and down at time. God is so different and so massive and so almighty. He's like outside of time. And a way of kind of perhaps understanding this that I saw was, you know, we think about time, the future and the past and the present, and it's all like a, a long straight line in front of us like that. But if you imagine that line that we think is straight, if you imagine that line as more of a, a curve or even the circumference of a circle... And God's maybe at the centre of that circle and he's looking out. And he can see there, 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 all at the same time. It's not that he has to run up and down through time. He's outside of time. He's, he's, he's beyond it all. 
So for example, for myself, thinking about a job, my job, I work as a nurse. God is. 30 years ago, when I started my nurse training, God is. God was there. About 12 years ago, when I was a ward manager at Manchester Oil Infirmary, God is. And God was there. God knew when a certain manager decided she got it in for me and put me through some, uh, what shall I say, very unfair scrutiny, very unfair action that ended up in me losing my post as a war manager and me crying out to God and saying, God, what is going on? This is not fair. Why are you letting this happen to me? Do something. You know, let me keep my job or at least... Okay, slot me into another war manager's post. Because cause that, that, this isn't fair. I'm being dealt with very badly. God is still now, today, and God sees me now working as an advanced nurse practitioner in a GP surgery with my weekends off, with my family, my evenings free, loving my job, and kind of quite grateful, really, that all that stuff happened back there. Even though I didn't like it at the time, um... God of the God of eternity, could, uh, the God of eternity could see it all. Um, so I love this verse in ver- verse five that says, "You hem me in, behind and before." I love it. I love that. What security there is in that? God is before us. He's behind us. He hems us in. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that nothing ever goes wrong. And I'm not even saying that everything that happens to us will have a fairy tale ending. You know, it's not a case of, oh, become a Christian, everything will be great, everything will go right, nothing will go wrong. I'm not saying that. But even if things don't end up in the way we wanted, what an amazing blessing it is to have God with us, looking after us. And, and, and this whole thing about being hemmed in by God before us and behind us, my kind of understanding was like, a bit like when you're, you know, a bit like when you're trying to look after a toddler or a, or a kid and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what are they going to do? Like when they're crawling or when they've just started walking and you're like, you're going ahead of them looking out for tables that are going to bang your head on them. What are they going to strip up? And then you're like behind them, you, they're falling over, they drop the dummy and, you, and you can't, you're doing like that full 360 kind of, you know, looking after this kid, aren't you? And I thought maybe it's a bit like that, a bit, God being a bit like a bit of a scatty sort of looking after us. But this, this verse in here where it says, you hem me in behind and before, to look at the actual original writing and the way it was written, it actually means you besiege me. You know, you lay siege to my life, you shut me in. A bit like a castle, you know, you're in a castle and someone's laying siege to it. There's ladders going up all over the place. They're trying to get in. They're almost attacking you. And that's the kind of approach that God's taking to us. It's not some kind of scatty, you know. It's a vigorous statement of security. A vigorous statement of security to be loved by God and for God to be hemming us in. I also love this the, the, the next line where it says, you have laid your hand upon me. And I was thinking, oh, how lovely is that? God's laid his hand on me. That was just my, my kind of understanding. How lovely. But again, when I looked at the actual, um, the, the, the way it was written, the original writing, it's more referring to God having us in the palm of his hand, almost having his hand cupped over us like this. So that we're in the palm of his hand and his hand is cupped over us 
in like a sort of like a protective grip. And I was again thinking about like when you remember when you find a spider or, or an insect in your in your house and you're trying to get it out and you put your hand over it and it's running around doing its thing, being here, there, and everywhere, and you've got your hand over it, maybe like a spider on glass, and you're letting it but you're protecting it, you know, so you can get the, the cup and the piece of paper and get it out of the house or keeping your hand over it so the, the cat can't bash it on the head and, and get it. So again, this God having us, his hand on us, it's a, it's a very uh, a protective thing, protective and vigorous. So I love, I, love these, uh, I love these words that talk about our security and the way that God is kind of after us. He's looking after us and he wants us. And uh, at this point in my thinking and preparing for today, I kind of thought, okay, maybe there's a flip side to this. Maybe I need to just remind us good folks at Lum that there's perhaps a flip side. And, uh, you know, we've got our part to play. And I was going to say to you, the guy that wrote this psalm, David, also wrote, you know, in Psalm 119, uh, sort of verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, all that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. And so I started thinking to myself, yeah, okay, it's all right saying that God loves us, but surely we've got our part to play. You know, we, we need to do what he says. We need to uh, follow his laws and follow his rules and all that lot. And before long, I'd started getting into this way of thinking, almost thinking that we kind of earn God's love. I realized that it kind of tipped over into like needing to earn God's love or be good enough. Almost, and I realised just in my thinking, my, my thinking slowly, as I was thinking it through, I thought, no, that's not right. I'm sure we can perhaps affect how we receive God's love, how we respond to it, but God's actual love for us is not dependent on our part. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to make us um, get more of God's love. He just loves us so much. One John chapter three verse one. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. Lavished on us that we should be called his children. And uh, of course the famous verse in Romans. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So that was interesting, even in my preparing for this uh, sort of sermon today, I had to readjust my thinking. I think the human side had kicked in, you know, let's be right, there's a logical fairness to this, we've got to do our part, la la la. And it's not like that. God's love is unconditional. Um, I actually get some text messages sometimes from from a friend, and on Tuesday morning, just this week, the text message said, God's love for us is truly unstoppable. Just as I was thinking about all this stuff, I thought, great, I like it. And then the next day on Wednesday it said, God wants everyone to know that he loves them unconditionally. Just as I was thinking these things through in my mind, I thought, right, thanks Lord, I'll take that. Verse 7 says, where can I go from your spirit? Now, we live in Rosendale, and this is of course... God's own country. We all know that. If you're a mountain biker, you especially know it because it's just amazing. There's no better place to be 
than to get out in the fields, get up on the hills on your mountain bike or walking or whatever and just to enjoy the the, the beauty and the the fantastic place that we live in. But of course, uh, there's a tendency to think, well, you know, God's here surely more than anywhere else. But of course, I'm only joking. And isn't it just wonderful to know that wherever we go, wherever we go in the world, God is with us, God is there. There's no place that he's not, and there's no place that he can't be with us, hemming us in, in front and behind. And there's also no situation that God can't be with us in. Um, It says here, um, if I say, surely the the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. I mean, I did think to myself, it's a little bit of a like, uh, sometimes, it's maybe a bit of a, a reminder. Sometimes, I think as Christians, sometimes we just think, just maybe a day off today. I think I'll just sneak into a dark corner, do what I want to do, forget there's a God, I'm just going to have a day off. And and these kind of verses kind of remind me a little bit that you can't really do that, because that kind of darkness is still light to God. You know, you can't really sneak away and have a day off. But, much more than that, and what this verse is really about, is about saying, look, if we're going through situations, if we're in places experiences that are darkness that are really uh, you know where we're really struggling we're really suffering what these verses are really saying is look God is with you uh, and the darkness is not dark to him uh, and God loves you and God's with you in it I'm nearly finished now so I'm, I'm trying Julie <laughs> I'm trying um, verses, uh, verses 19 to 22 at the bit where David starts saying, If only you would slay the wicked. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. Uh, I hate them. I want to kill them. And it's kind of like, hmm. These are the kind of verses that you kind of want to skip over, really, because they're a bit uncomfortable. Um, but we shouldn't, should we? Just because there's verses there that don't really fit with what we'd like to to think. But I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I, I've got to remember, this was written in Old Testament times when we... When God's people did all that, it was a different world. And of course, Jesus has come into the world and we're told that we should love our enemies. Of course we should. And I wonder if I could just take from this for myself and say, wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be great if we could get to a place in our life, in our relationship with God, where we actually hated, not 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 the, not the men, not the sinful men, but perhaps the sin in men. If we could get to that point in our love for God, where we were actually so hated sin and what sin does and the sin that we see in other people and the sin that we see in ourselves. So that was the challenge for me, not to sort of be hating people because they're sinners, but to hate the sin wherever I see it because I know that God doesn't like it. So just to to sum up really, um, and to summarise, um, there's some verses, 17, you know, in verse 17 and 18, David says, and this is like a, a summary of the whole chapter in a, in a way, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And I love this, when I awake, I am still with you. So whether you've been, a, whether you've been asleep just overnight, or whether you've had a right old dozy, uh, time off for a month or two or whatever when I awake you're there you're with me the last two verses of the psalm are just quite interesting verse 23 and 24 because all all, all, all through the psalm prior to that it's been about sort of statements really 
about God is this, God does that, God will do this, God will do that, and God loves us. And they're wonderful words. But just in the very last two verses, David actually, um, there's actual action there. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. He's already said that God knows everything. He knows all about me. He knows when I stand, when I sit. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows every word I'm going to speak before I speak it. But it's like right at the end of the psalm, David's actually saying to God, yeah, do it. I want to be open to you. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Listen to this. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting these last two verses to me speak about being in relationship with God it's a two way thing it's not all God it's not all us relationship is a two way thing there's God's part and there's our part and surely this is why Jesus came to this earth to die for us John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his only son into this world so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And everlasting life is not just about the time, living forever. It's about life with God. Life lived in relationship with God. It's amazing. There's nothing better than to live our lives in that two-way relationship with God. It's what God always wanted And it's what we can have because Jesus has uh, has made it possible for us. So it's all about sins being being forgiven, the wrong things we've done being forgiven to put us back into a right relationship with our amazing, all-knowing and all-loving God. And that's what was achieved for us when Jesus died on the cross. Uh, And if we will only accept that. Uh, but what an amazing God, what an all-knowing, amazing God. And if we can just grab a hold of that, that God loves us so much, he lays siege to our life, he's before us, he's behind us, he's got his protective hand over us. And what a wonderful thing that is. Amen.